Hello, Carrie. Welcome to the show. It's so good to be able to speak to you about animal Reiki tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me. For the listeners who don't know what Reiki is, or maybe they know what regular Reiki is, what is animal Reiki? So Reiki itself is um, a form of energy healing where you get the energy from the universe. It's based on the belief that all things are energy. So you can channel this energy. You're the channel for the energy. It's coming through you. Uh, With animal Reiki, instead of sending it to a person, you can send it to an animal, a wild animal, someone that's in your presence, or distant as well. So you're sending it essentially for their higher good, but you can also have specific reasons or outcomes that the client is looking for. Can they be animals like in the ocean like whales and dolphins that if you're inland can you send energy there absolutely i actually try to focus on um for my own personal practice wild animals specifically ones that are native to the area that i live so that ones that i might actually see if i were out and about but um yes you can definitely send to animals that are in the water in the air across the world from you if you see an animal in need, like during the um, the horrible fires in Australia, there was uh, a lot of Reiki practitioners across the globe that were sending out Reiki for the animals and the people in need, even though we were all over the world. So it was more of like almost a trying to get almost like a thought form started with all this energy heading in one direction. I think when you know you start to focus on something so much and you get that energy into the thought, it starts to almost solidify and take on like almost an entity. So it can, it's not that it's more effective, but that has more of a presence when you have so much, so many people working on it, like in the case with the Australian fires. But um, I've always been into animal welfare and animal rights. So I like to work a lot with um, animals in need or animals that need protection. So they may or may not be in my presence. Because you can do, there's a need for volunteers for animal shelters that is also often virtual or online where they're going into shelters or rescues and there's a call for people to send Reiki to them. And I actually have a dog who is a rescue and the way that she came into our life was that I was um, volunteering at the local shelter to take dogs out on fun ventures but I had gotten clarification that I could also do Reiki on them and she had uh, surgery and several issues so I took her for the whole day here in our house and had her on the sofa and so that I would just be doing Reiki on her throughout the day to help with her surgery. And then she never left. That's how we got her. <laughs> oh. I've, I've also heard that often our pets come to us that we've we've known them in previous lifetimes or and they come down as like helpers and things like that. I've tried communicating with pets that I've had in the past. And the, the one time I definitely got a clear message back from her. She was my, my best friend from the age of four to 18. And the, the one night, her passing was really traumatic for me 
and I had put off trying to contact her for so long, but one day I just sat down and did it. And uh, the next day, like three things that might not mean something to someone else happened simultaneously. And to me, it was a clear sign. I was, um, church bells went off as train whistles were blowing and a cardinal landed in a little bush in our yard. And cardinals are often a symbol of a loved one that's passed on. And church bells are always so beautiful and sound like hope. And train whistles have always been really special to me because I used to live in the country and a train whistle always sounded like possibility of a future that I could be a part of. And I just thought that after I'd sent her Reiki and talked to her in the evening, that she was sending me this huge message that um, there wasn't a reason to be upset about her passing, that she was still there, that she was safe, and that the future was still bright, and she was fine. It's beautiful, because so many people fear dying, because, you know, we've been told that you only get, like, one time on Earth, or that when you die, there's, you're going to go to, like, judgment or hell or heaven. It's made to feel really, really scary. I know, that is, it is terrifying. It can often just bring me to a standstill, but, um... I think my experience with death is a little different than most people's because I am the youngest with my siblings. And the reason my parents waited so long to have me is that um, my middle sister, who was 10 years older than me, was born with cystic fibrosis and she wasn't supposed to live till the age of two. I know it sounds peculiar to say I grew up with death as a part of our family, but death was a part of our family. It was always there because we never you never knew when it was going to happen because she was in the hospital at least every two months she would be in for a week or two consistently throughout her life and she had you know most people have a pantry of food while she had that she had a pantry for medications and so as a young kid she never hid that from me and I was always a part of her treatments like when we'd have to do percussive treatments on her back, even though I was like five years old and probably not very helpful, I was part of that. <laughs> and I grew up in hospitals, you know, fine. I loved hospital food because to me it was a time to hang out with my sister and watch TV and crawl up in bed with her. She always treated me like an adult in the conversation. So I think I had a different concept of death growing up. There's actually a type of Reiki called grief Reiki. And that takes listening, compassion hearing the person, allowing them to understand the stages of grief, to sit with their grief and not to rush it, while also giving them Reiki. So you can also offer Reiki to the one that passed on. Grief Reiki itself is about the process of healing because it's not something that can be rushed. I think society can expect a time limit on grieving and you might get pushback that it should be done now, that, you know, your, your time limit's up. You've had your time off from work. Why are you still grieving, even if it's a person or an animal? And I think grief Reiki helps with the understanding that that grief is going to probably be a part of your life. You just learn coping mechanisms to continue to move on without them while remembering them in ways that are helpful. I've heard that when you die, there's the traditional like tunnel of light that you can go to, but you can also decide when you die that you don't want to go that way and you can actually choose that you, if you want to go home to where you came from. I'm not as familiar with that, so I don't want to go 
too in depth on a subject that I'm not too because with my work I try to channel talking to them so for me I can still communicate with my sister and my dad so I don't know if I would say that they went to the light or if they decided to stay here until I was ready to either let go or move on with them and I know my husband gets messages quite frequently from his favorite maternal grandmother so I'm not sure about the actual transition after death uh, for me and my work I think some of their spirit or some of their energy is residual and still is here with us and that's what I work with if, if that makes sense. How does scrying fit into finding guidance for our lives like life purpose? Scrying is essentially I always think of as people have watched Harry Potter that scene with Dumbledore taking the wand and touching the reflective and he, it's like he pulls memory out so scrying that's a good image of that it's a reflective surface any reflective surface can be used for scrying so you can use um, water uh, crystal like a crystal ball a black mirror which is a mirror I have a mirror that I painted the back of it uh, with oil paints and black so it's a reflective black surface so essentially you want something where you're not staring at your own reflection but you're able to sort of lose yourself in a trance in that reflection and you're entering a meditative state and images you start to see images either in the reflection or they just start to come to you images sense sounds thoughts so my favorite one is wax scrying which is, um, I add Reiki to that. So I, I burn the candles and if there's a question or something that needs a solution or an answer or guidance, I focus all of that onto the candle as it burns and let it burn for, I just keep letting it burn until I feel it's the right time. And then I blow out the candle and pour the wax into a bowl of water and the shapes that form are what I interpret as the answer. There's another form of scrying where I have a black like soapstone bowl and that doesn't involve wax. It's just the water is calm, but you can see through the water into the reflection of the black coming up. So it's sort of like a black mirror, but you get the extra element of water. So what I like about scrying, I love tarot cards and I love oracle cards, but scrying to me is um, more of a direct conduit because I'm not using someone else's art or interpretation of the archetypes or their interpretation of the symbols. It's strictly the images and my intuition and what I'm sensing I'm getting from guides. So I, I think it's, it's almost like, um, if you will, like a phone call instead of being filtered through cards and you know do you know what I mean when I say like the tarot cards well, you know how you have all the different tarot cards with the different images so that artist interpreted what they think the archetypes and how that means to them which is beautiful and has a place but for me scrying is using my gifts directly with the guides right. and uh, certain symbols may not mean the same thing to me as they do uh, someone else like for instance I know the coyote often gets portrayed as a trickster but for me, that's not 
at all what they are because I, with animal symbolism, I rely heavily on the biology of the animal and reading about their their nature or any kind of recordings of them. So if the animals show up in a reading, I am going to use not like the little keywords that other people might use as their symbols, but I'll base it more on the animal and what relationship I might have with them when I'm out in nature. Coyotes are my spirit guide and I, I'm starting to think like maybe it's, I'm never supposed to ever see them in the wild because my husband, like I'll literally be sitting beside him and he'll see one. <laughs> no, I don't. Like, it's <laughs> happened like three times where I've turned around. And he's like, oh my gosh, did you see it? I'm like, what? What? No, I there was a bird. And I'm like looking at a bird and he's like, it was right there. And then one time he went on a hike and I said I was tired. And I sat on the bench and he actually had like three, four, like a whole bunch of them surrounding him on the hike. And then another time he went grocery shopping at 6 a.m., which I can't be awake at that time. And another one crossed his path. So I think, I don't know if that's true for other people or it's just my excuse for never getting to see them. But I, I think well, my relationship with my spirit guide is meant to strictly be spiritual and I don't get to see them. But I love working with crows and other animals that I do get to see on a regular basis. I love crows. I was just outside talking to one shortly before this meeting and they come over my house at 5 p.m. every day. As they come back to roost, I always go outside to greet all of them. Yeah, I just had one out mm -hmm. on our front walk before the meeting and he's eating. I don't even know what he's eating. It's so gross. <laughs> and I was offering him different food, but he's helping clean up a mess that someone else made. So he's happy. <laughs> you have a superhero or someone in your life who's your inspiration? Yeah, I like thinking of everyone as equals with different... So definitely my sister, Dawn. She was a huge inspiration for me. She's... I always say there's no me without my sister. She was my mom. My, I mean, not really my mom, but she was like my mom, my best friend, and obviously my sister. But everything she did, I did. I... I can't even it probably I think would have been annoying to have a mini me but if she played the clarinet at night I had a recorder that I had to play um, I'm a vegetarian for almost my entire life because she was and then so she basically formed the background and foundation of who I am and I think that I carry her with me every day but then also in um, current life instead of when I was a child my husband I think is a huge it's not so much that he's an inspiration as that he allows me to just exist without boundaries or putting me in a box or expectations of what it means to be a wife and a mother like he's the first person that just can really breathe around and just be myself and not expect pushback. He sounds a wonderful man. Yeah, he's very, it's strange because it's so different from, you know, I kind of think of my life in terms of the before and the after. So, you know, growing up with my parents, it was a lot of feeling trapped and not being able to escape. And there's a lot of negative 
things, but then there's the after with my husband where I'm just getting to feel what it feels like to feel the world and just be allowed to enjoy it without having there be a consequence. And I get to be me. And I, I don't, it's so hard to describe that to people that don't understand, but getting to be me is the greatest feeling. Hmm. I, I do get that because most relationships end up with people having to hide what they're interested in or change and you kind of feel stifled and I think a lot of those relationships end up in divorce. I think my life was the reverse of that. That's how I started. Okay. I was like he's got the coyote energy. That he, is that why he always sees them? <laughs> I don't know what it is. He's just... <laughs> I used to think when we first started dating, I forget what that is called even. Um, it's a horse racing technique. There's the main horse that does the race, but then there's the horse that walks beside it and calms it down and makes sure it's going to do the race okay. Uh, he's that for me, or he was that for me. He helped me without even trying to work through a lot of past trauma. You know, when you're a kid and you blow out your candles for birthday, my wish was always to be happy. And I didn't actually think that would happen. But then it did happen. And that's so strange to me to wake up and be happy. I mean, it's, it's still not something that I take for granted. Nature is such a huge aspect of every part of my practice. I find a lot of inspiration in nature. I want to try and work with nature and have a, a good partnership. When people have animal guides, you have them, but you don't want to also forget that real-life animal. So like for me, with coyotes or crows, if I can go out in the wild and offer them Reiki, I do that. But if I can't with you know the coyote, I have a stuffed animal coyote. And here... We have a, it's like a salamander called a hellbender, and they're very hard to find. I saw one once. So I have a plush hellbender. So I have those as stand-ins that I can offer Reiki to. So while I also use them on a spiritual level as guides, I don't ever want to forget their physical counterpart, because I think that's a huge part of where your guides work with you and help you, but you reciprocate that by helping the ones that are alive now and here that you can maybe or maybe not see, but not to forget that the spirit guides actually have living relatives that are most likely in need Reiki, love, respect, or even um, people to speak up for their treatment. And that brings me around to your green wisdom Reiki that you've developed. So with that, I've tried to incorporate Reiki because Reiki basically is energy belief that everything is energy but then the earth is also energy and you've heard of as above so below what I wanted to try to do is bring in the essences of animals plants fungi and incorporate them into a session so I do a lot of distant Reiki and I um, have like a layout for the different chakras so while I'm trying to see if they're balanced I'll have things around me like shells, dried mushrooms, petals, crystals, or very ethically sourced animal bones if I find them in the wild and they're legal to take. I have those. And then I'll try what I intuitively feel is the right energy for that chakra if it's in balance, and then keep working with that until it starts to feel like that energy has you know, if there was a hole in the energy, if there was stagnation, 
once it feels that it has healed or has uh, closed if it was a, an opening where there was an energy leak. And then I also use essential oils as well for the plants or just plant spirit energy, which is basically similar to when you get the concept of an animal spirit guide. You can have the plant spirit working as well, calling that in to help with a session. So I like to blend the Reiki earth, the energy of the earth, and then the different parts of earth. And I really like working with the elements as well, like fire, water, air, earth. And then during times of play, I guess downtime, one of the things that I'm always interested in is just trying to do energy exchanges with a lake or a storm because the energies are so different. We go to a great lake every summer and trying to feel the energy of the lake is unlike anything else I do on a normal day to day. And then with a thunderstorm or just a nice summer day or a plant, you know, there's gentle energies, there's turbulent, there's so many different ones that if you feel them and create a relationship, you can call upon them later. I was had a picture of you out in a thunderstorm and feeling the sort of electricity and the beautiful petrichor smell and the so much power in the storm. And I, I really like storms. That's a yeah. feeling that you can. It's also asking if you can use that energy. It's not just trying to harness it. It's it's a making sure it's okay. Like if I go out once, I there's this really old tree around here. It's an oak tree. It's over two hundred years old, and it's absolutely breathtaking to go visit it and I asked one day there if I um, could have some sort of gift to remember the visit and I looked down and there was a a tiny bit of a black rat snake spine at my feet that I I honestly had not seen moments before Mm -hmm. so it wasn't the tree had given me a gift and then when I looked up I saw there was um, a bird must have been up in a long ago because I saw this shedded skin and I did and a little bit of like a roost so I think it had a hawk and must have eaten it and it had dropped however long ago when we went to visit the tree oh, I was sharing Reiki and I wanted a gift but I never if I'd seen this mine I I would have asked first anyway but what I asked first was for a gift and I thought it would be part of the tree but it was a snake which was pretty excellent <laughs> Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, that happens pretty frequently, I think, because for me, it's a lot about respect and making sure that that I'm very respectful when we're out and I'm taking a hike or walking. If I see deer, I try to stand still and not scare them and just observe. There's a lot of observation that goes into understanding the nature that I then want to ask to work with me. For instance, crows, I took my dog for a walk and she clearly had upset all of these crows and they were just loud voices decrying us interrupting their morning meeting <laughs> and I made a stop and I was like it's okay we're just you know we don't want us to keep walking we can turn around it's not a big deal and then this one crow just kept staring at me and so I asked if I could offer him Reiki and he he was kind of like a grumpy but he was just like I want you to leave and I was like, well, let's just try if I offer you Reiki and then see if you can feel my energy and my intention. And if you'll let me, if you'll be satisfied and you can go about your day. So I tried that and then he called to everybody else and 
everything settled down. And then the next, mm-hmm. it wasn't the next day, it was like two or three days later, we have a small city yard and the crows always fly over us, but there's simply no reason for them to stop in our yard because it's not big enough or anything. But it, about two days later, I went out and the 10 crows landed in the yard. And wow. yeah, wow. for me, I was like, I don't think it was the same crows, but I think the message that I was not the kind of person that had ill will towards them. You offered a gift and time and respect, and this is a return gift. It just seemed like thanks for taking the time not to just go walking with your dog and making sure that you checked first. Wow, that is amazing. Well, I could keep asking you questions, but I'm conscious of time moving along. Is is there something else I didn't ask you that um, well, you had asked, you'd love to share? I know one of the questions you had said might happen is about dreaming and uh, message that we might receive and the only thing I think is sometimes people really seem to focus on the message that they get through dream and I think sometimes they, there's almost like an anxiety around they can't remember their dream and they want to try to remember and then I, it almost seems like it, it starts to become almost an agitation if it just doesn't come naturally to you because I think a lot of times your dreams are just your way of sorting through your day. But I would also say when you do have a dream that is significant and you wake up and you can't remember it, just remember that that's your active brain that can't remember it. Your subconscious was there and awake during that time. So a part of you is remembering it and a part of you does have the message that you received. Your active brain might not be the part that needed that message. Always when you have a situation, try to look outside the box of what you might see online and look at a way to make the situation work for you. Good to know because if you can't write it down in the morning it doesn't mean it never happened it just means that your conscious brain didn't need to remember. Right I I mean I think because your subconscious can still work with that imagery and I think the message still got through and perhaps the worrying about what your message was might be putting up a wall between your subconscious your conscious, your dream time, and your awake time. Because you don't necessarily always have to cross the veil or the line to receive the help and guidance. You just sometimes have to just believe in your... I think it's one of the most necessary components of any spiritual life practice is your intuition is correct. Trust your intuition. And your intuition is just a natural part of you. It can't be taken away. It's just something you, you know, you might have to practice working with it, but it's there and it's yours to trust and guide you. Do you have uh, any favorite crystals that you use? I love tiger's eye and moonstones. And I don't know if that goes back to scrying because I really like reflective surfaces, but I like the ones that you can see different images on and they change with the light. And have you got advice for your younger self? I would say um, don't let others define you. I think the teen years were significant in I was myself, but I also felt you have your friends, you want to kind of fit in and you're comparing yourself to them. And that's when you're in the teen years, it feels like forever, but it's actually just such a fleeting part of your life. That teen years were so long ago, but when I was in them, I thought it was the only thing that was ever going to be. And now it's just, that was, I mean, I guess because I'm old, that was so long ago. <laughs> it's so long ago. It's, yeah, but when you're That's in the long. moment, That's... it's just like 
when will I be an adult? When am I going to get to do this? Like, am I ever? And then you're like, then ever happens. And you're like, wow. Carrie, it's been absolutely lovely to get to know you today. Um, so I'll put all the details in the show notes. And if people want to contact you for a, um, a healing session, they can get in touch. I try to focus a lot on distant Reiki so that it's, I like to make sure things are accessible to anyone, regardless of social, economic, time zone, or disability or not. So I, I try to be very flexible with availability. Some people like to set aside that time, but that's not even necessary. You could go throughout your day. But I often try to offer like um, meditative music for those 30 minutes or hours so that people can have that. But it's not necessary to be available at that exact moment in time because it travels, it goes. It's, it's, it's not like it's a time and distance thing for Reiki. Reiki doesn't recognize the distance. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Carrie. It's, it's been really lovely. Thank you so much. I'm very happy that you found me.